Yeah, Marvin. So uh, in Kid Nation this year, we've uh, covered quite a bit. So um, for those of you guys who have been following along, we did uh, got through God's story, and then after we got through God's story, got everything painted on the wall, you realize that there's a lot in the Bible that maybe we didn't quite cover all the way. So we went back and we started and we did uh, First and Second Kings this year, and we did Psalms and we did Proverbs. So we're going to cover those three books real quickly. You ready? All right, so here's what we learned in First and Second Kings. We learned that God's plan should be followed, right? So we learned that Israel wanted a king, didn't go very well, and when God's plan was followed, good things happened. When God's plan wasn't followed, bad things happened. So in Kid Nation fashion, we're about to teach you the big idea from First and Second Kings. You ready? All right, that's weak. You all ready? Yeah. All right. God's? Plan, like we're pulling out plans, like we're going to build something, okay? God's plan should be followed, right? Because we're walking, we're following God, right? Then we moved into Psalms, right? So teaching kids like poetic scripture was pretty interesting. Because if you know anything about kids, kids are feelings. Like that's what they are, right? So we talked about how people feel deeply, right? We feel sadness, we feel hurt, we feel pain, but we also feel love and we feel joy and all this stuff. And like God wants to deal with those feelings, right? So in Psalms, we learned that God not only can handle our feelings, but that God wants to handle our feelings, okay? So when you have a relationship with God, what God wants is that relationship with you. He wants you to be real. He doesn't want you to pray to him and be like, God, I love you so much. Thank you. Everything is great. But in, in the, but your heart is full of strife and anger and pain, right? He wants you to be real with him. So what we learned is God wants to handle my feelings. You guys ready? What was God? God wants to handle, like he can handle it, right? Wants to handle my, and what are feelings? Come on, you got to do it. Okay, God wants to handle my feelings. And then we moved on to Proverbs, right? And we spent the majority of the year in Proverbs, right? Now, Proverbs is pretty crazy because it's all these ideas that you're trying to unpack with kids, and that can be a little bit tough because kids want to take one thing and then apply it universally to everything. So we had to talk through that and unpack that. And we used this image of a fruit salad, right? So we talked about wisdom versus knowledge. And knowledge being what, Sophia? Knowledge is if you know something, and wisdom is what? Applying that knowledge, right? So knowledge is knowing tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put them in a fruit salad. Okay? Make sense? So we learned about wisdom versus knowledge of God, right? So Proverbs is wisdom. Wisdom is God's knowledge applied. Remember? Because we follow God. We walk with God. Right? Let's do it together. Wisdom is God's knowledge applied. Now, in 2022, we're going to be jumping into the epistles and really diving into Corinthians, Romans, a lot of these like 
you know, big, big stuff, big, heavy stuff. So be in prayer for us because that's, that's going to be interesting. And we'll see how that goes. So thank you guys for all your prayer this year. That's what's been going on with Kid Nation. I'm going to go ahead and pray for what we're going to do in the coming year. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you that you care for children. That, Lord, um, you have a plan for them too. And that, God, they are just as much a part of your church as a 60 or 70-year-old. You love your creation and you care for it. Thank you for the time you've given us with our kids and the way that you've blessed us with children. Help us in the next year to steward them well, to care for them, and to raise them up in the way that you have called. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. church. I'm glad to be with you. I can uh, promise about 99% certain that my voice is uh, broken because of my allergies. Um, We spent just enough time in Virginia for me to get all of that Virginia pollen in my sinuses. And as soon as I got out of that environment and got some Benadryl in me, um, it started to clear up. But um, my voice is still on the struggle bus today. (coughs) Excuse me. So I'm glad to be with you this morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Michael, um, and welcome to, uh, to Neighborhood Church. This morning is a little bit of a different gathering. We try to uh, set aside the first Sunday of the year as uh, a celebration of what God was doing last year, and as we look forward to um, what the next steps might be, what he wants for us to take. Um, and our, our mission uh, is centered on Jesus. Um, It's interesting, as you hear Ryan and Kid Nation talking about the stuff that they've been studying, how even in the Old Testament we see that these things are pointing to life with Christ and and, um, walking with him and following him. And so our our mission together as a church is to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. And a question that's come up a lot this year, um, which I didn't actually anticipate when we started talking about rolling out this name, uh, a question that's come up a lot is, well, who is my neighbor? Um, this was an, a name we, uh, for a number of years, were Grace Church of Ocala and decided it was time to change our name um, through a small group beginning in 2020, prayed about what direction God was leading us, and we changed to Neighborhood Church. Um, and we're connected with two other congregations, one in Sebring, um, which is kind of uh, the mother church, and one in Lakeland, which is in a similar situation to us. Um, and as we decided we were going to move forward with Neighborhood Church, the other congregations um, prayed about whether they should also do the same thing. And the question came up over and over again, uh, who is my neighbor? And I thought, I've heard that question before. Uh, Jesus got asked the exact same question as he told the story about the good uh, Samaritan. And the whole point of the story was that the Samaritan was the bad guy. Uh, if, uh, if you were to say um, Taliban today, the, good, the story of the good Taliban, uh, there'd be a, a cognitive dissonance. There'd be something in your brain that did not fit. Wait, I thought they were terrorists. I thought they were bad people. Um, and when the people of Jesus' day heard Samaritan, they thought, wow, those people, like they're from the wrong side of the tracks. They're a little messed up. They do things backwards. Um, they've got bad blood. Um, and yet that guy was the one who was helpful to his neighbor. And the point that Jesus was trying to illustrate is that our neighbor is whomever it is we find ourselves in contact with. 
So our neighbor is, I would like to say our neighbor is literally the people who live next door to us. I think as Americans, we can often forget that we live close together and we should be helping one another out. Our neighbors also the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, um, our friends that we know uh, through sports clubs, or there are also people that we meet online. Like these people are also our neighbors. And so um, that's a little bit behind our name. That's our mission. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about how uh, God has been blessing um, our, our, us as we try to follow him in our mission, to invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus. Um, there's a, a lady who is only connected with us online. Um, she lived nearby and moved away. And as she moved away, God was working on her life and, and really um, breaking her in a lot of ways. And she started connecting with us only after she was no longer our neighbor. She started watching our, our gatherings online and, and messaging with me a little bit and a couple of phone calls privately. Um, but this is a neighbor who geographically is distanced from us, but this year decided that she was going to follow Jesus. Um, got her connected with a church there where she is in Illinois now, and she's going to be baptized in the next couple of months. Um, and that's somebody who only is able to connect with us because of the ministry that Barry and Max do of making sure that whatever we do here is also available to our neighbors on the Internet. Um, we had the opportunity to encourage a small congregation in India um, who is, because of the restrictions in their, company, in, their, in their country, they're only able to meet online. And they found some of our videos and emailed me, and we had a, a exchange back and forth, and I got to join them in their worship gathering, in their language, and, and share uh, a message with them and got to encourage them. Um, we had the privilege of helping a number of our neighbors um, here um, by holding our gifts with open hands. We helped them keep their electricity on. And we helped a couple of other neighbors keep their jobs um, we, we don't just drink coffee on Sunday mornings. We buy our coffee on purpose from an organization called Dignity Roasters. And uh, that organization um, provides jobs for people who are uh, without homes or are just down in their luck. They train them and give them skills to help them become employable. Um, and so when we buy coffee and when we drink coffee here, we're doing it supporting people in the Ocala community that otherwise would have no way to um, put food on the table or pay their bills. Um, and that's just an illustration that we, we collaborate with people rather than compete. We're on the same team with people who are building and seeking Jesus' kingdom first. And so we don't feel like we need to do everything, but we can collaborate with people that are doing good work. Um, so we helped keep our neighbors employed. Um, we also helped uh, a neighbor um, stay employed by having a car to be able to commute and, and continue to be able to do uh, her work as well. Our building, I don't know if you uh, ever noticed, but our building was, was um, a home to a homeschool group once a week all year long. They uh, came in and they met together and they... Um, they cleaned every week, which was a huge blessing to us, but we got to host them. And uh, it was their first year that they had ever done this. They were not uh, super ready for um, the challenges of COVID. And the challenge for the homeschool group in the COVID was that suddenly everybody wanted to be a homeschooler. Um, and so they have outgrown now our facility, and we've prayed for them and blessed them as they are going to go find a different place to meet. But we got to host them all year long. 
And we also hosted three music recitals in this auditorium for, um, for middle and high school students that are studying music. Um, just kids in the neighborhood, they came and uh, we just said, hey, this is our building. God's blessed us with it, and we want to share God's gifts with open hands. So um, we had the privilege of being able to do that. So those are ways that we're serving our community, serving our neighbors. Um, we learned together. Oh, so these are a couple of statistics about our online neighbors. Between 2019 and 2020, uh, which was the pandemic era, um, we had a little bit of growth. And this year, uh, we had a little bit more. So it seems like we have doubled, increased um, people connecting with us online. But as we've learned uh, together in our, in our worship celebrations, we've learned through uh, two whole books of the Bible. The first one, Journey Together, that series, we went through Philippians. And then we went through the book of Daniel, which I promise, like, when we started, when I started preaching, I thought, you know what, I'm probably never going to touch Daniel. But not only did we touch Daniel, we touched every chapter of Daniel um, and, and learned through that whole book. We learned texts related to our values, the journey together, going through Philippians, we saw that we journey together. God brings us together into a family so that no one has to face anything alone. Um, we did a whole series on our values, and then our re-gifting series was also um, in support of our value that we hold God's gifts with open hands. We spent a lot of time in focused prayer. We started the year last year in Abide and a, a season of fasting and prayer. Um, and we spent some time learning from Jesus the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, in a series called Teach Us to Pray. Um, and then we spent more time focused in on who Jesus is, on what he did, and who we are in light of his work. So we covered a lot of ground in the last 12 months, learning together. Um, as... We learn, we don't just learn in rows, we don't just learn as we come and gather together, we learn also in, in circles. So there have been a couple of groups that have started. Um, ladies group has been going through, or has been meeting together on Thursday mornings. They went through the book of Ephesians, and they've been going through Job, and those conversations from what I hear have been really profitable. It's been good time building relationships, asking hard questions, and being able to pray with one another through the difficulties of life. We also started two groups this year um, in a series that's just called That Man Called Jesus, and it's meant to be an introduction for people who've never met Jesus or don't really know a ton about him, but they want to read and discover for themselves that that whole group is designed to do that. And we've had one person who's decided to follow Jesus as a result of those groups, um, which we're giving God the glory for. And we've also had, even though those groups have not been huge in number, having them and inviting people to them have led to a number of ongoing conversations. The spirit is still moving and we still have connections with people that are curious about who Jesus is. And we're hoping that God will continue to give us opportunities to introduce these people to Jesus and to invite them to follow him. Um, yeah, there's been another group that's been going on and uh, that I just want you to be aware of. I've um, been getting together with a couple of guys and going through um, a, a deeper uh, systematic theology, a leadership development evening. Um, and so we're on the precipice now of um, sending some paperwork to the, the elders in Sebring to officially make Ryan an elder of the church, which is a, which I don't know how to communicate to you the longness of that process and the excitement to be to have the paperwork in hand and to be filling, filling, yeah, sending that in. Um, is 
It's been a long road, and it's exciting to see the Spirit's work in him. Um, so I'd encourage you to continue to pray for him as he now has to um, defend his answers verbally. He's written everything out, and then he's got a chance to be examined. Um, so pray for him as he goes through that process uh, here in the next couple of months. Um, and then we've been uh, celebrating together. We had many, many guests at our Christmas, uh, Christmas celebration, the Sunday night before Christmas. Um, we, had, uh, we celebrated one baptism, which was a guy that I knew through my work. Um, and again, that's another instance of us collaborating rather than competing. He um, primarily was, was being discipled by another church, and yet because we worked together and had the opportunity to have a bunch of conversations, um, we would chat and talk. And then I would call his pastor and be like, yo, at group tonight, you've got to really nail him on this. He's trying to get away. He's trying not to answer this question. So me and this other pastor were kind of tag teaming this guy um, and maybe bullying him into Jesus. I don't know if, if that's the way that you might say it. But he decided that he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to follow Jesus in baptism, and we got to baptize Spencer and do that together with another local congregation. We're not in competition. We're all on the same team. Um, and we got to reinstate, re-celebrate again communion three times this year, which I normally wouldn't mention except that all of 2020 we missed it. And so I'm excited to have the fellowship uh, in that. And altogether we learned nine songs in our celebrations on Sunday mornings, which is a lot of songs. Um, if you're not a musical person, like it, I don't know if you realize how much work it takes to learn songs, much less to learn songs that you only hear once a week. Um, maybe twice a week, and so I think that that's a lot. And these songs have, um, hopefully, the, the goal for these songs is that they get embedded in your heart, that as you're putting your kids to bed or as you're going through your day, as something comes up, the lyrics come back to you. Your grace is all I need. You are strong when I'm weak. So all those songs are chosen with the hope that uh, that they're, um, catchy and sticky enough and true enough to be encouraging to your heart throughout the rest of the week. We work really hard to make sure that those things happen. So that's been 2021. Like, this is, uh, you can look at this room and think, wow, like, there's really nothing going on here. Um, maybe God's abandoned this place. And yeah, the Spirit's been moving. Um, he's used us beyond what we are worthy of. Um, and He's bringing people to Himself. Two people have chosen to follow Him in this last year because of the ministry that He's doing through us as a small church. So I'm super grateful for you guys and super grateful for the way that Jesus is working in us. Um, and I just invite you to pray together with me. Almighty God, we give you all the praise. We thank you for the work that you've done um, in us and through us in spite of ourselves. We thank you for the love that you've shown to us, the grace and the mercy that you continue to shower on us. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to captivate our attention and our affection. Jesus, that as we look at your work um, in the past and as you're working in the, in the present, Lord, we pray that you'd inspire us to join with you. God, you saved us by your grace alone that none of us can boast. And yet as you did that, you appointed for us good work that you wanted to be done in the world and you wanted to use our normal people hands to do it. So Lord, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts, that you'd strengthen our hands, that we might follow you in those things that you've appointed for us to do. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to invite and draw people to yourself, that you would give people faith to follow you. And thank you for the part that we get to play in that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
like to read this morning from Luke chapter 5. Um, and Luke is, a, um, Luke is a doctor. He's kind of a no-frills uh, no dude, and he just cares about the facts. And so as he sits down to write a biography about Jesus, he's probably writing a legal, uh, a legal defense, a legal biography. So he's concerned to get things down, get them in order, and get them straight. So the first couple of chapters of Luke are all about the beginning of Jesus' life, his birth, um, and things like that. But in, in chapter 5 is when Jesus really starts to, to teach and really starts to um, leave his hometown and really starts to um, be known by the world. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners and in the, in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So this is the beginning of uh, Jesus' ministry. And um, if you're familiar with the Bible, um, there's a couple of things that we might gloss over. There's a couple of things that we might overlook. So I want to try to just set the scene. Um, Jesus, Jesus isn't a, a well-known name. He was not a common name. He wasn't even a curse word yet. Um, he was just kind of a, a, a poor guy. His dad was, a, was a, um, probably looked down upon, blue-collar worker, a builder, um, probably built houses for a living. And, and Jesus kind of grew up in a small town. And he leaves that small town, and he's going to the lake. Um, He's going to a big sea. And as he's going, he's teaching the word of God. And people are kind of gathering around to hear this, like, uh, redneck bumpkin teach the word of God. He's He's got something in the way that he speaks that people want to listen to. And this is before the time of, um, of microphones. Like I'm, I'm blessed. My voice is blessed to not have to shout this morning so you'd be, you can hear me. I can just be amplified. But Jesus didn't have that benefit. And so he got into the water, um, got on a boat and got into the water where people could gather on the crowd. And the shore kind of goes up, makes like an amphitheater. Um, so everybody's able to hear as he's teaching. Um, and, he, and he gets in the boat of some strangers. I don't, I don't know if, I, I hope that this is, is, is clear to you. He doesn't know Simon before this interaction. They haven't met yet. And so this, this redneck preacher guy shows up and is like, hey, I want to I use your boat as a podium. Like, man, I'm, I'm here mending my nets. I've been out fishing all night long. And I'm mending my nets. I'm trying to get ready for the next day. I really just want to go home. I'm punched out. Like, it's after hours. Let me go home. And he says, fine, I'll, I'll put you out. But I'm not leaving my boat with you. I'm going to stick around. 
<clears throat> so Jesus preaches. Um, I don't know how long Jesus preached for, but he preaches. And at the end of it, he turns to, to Simon and says, hey, let's go fishing. So this redneck from a landlocked city says to this man who's spent his whole life fishing, hey, let's go fishing. And he says, I did that all night long, and it was a bad night. The, the, the things, things are not, things are not, uh, it's not a good time. <laughs> like, I'm a professional here. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. This isn't my first rodeo. And Jesus, it sounds like you don't know a, a fish from a net. So um, why not? <laughs> he, he, he agrees. I don't know what Jesus had said in that sermon that, that captivated Peter's, uh, his curiosity enough that he says, all right, let's go fishing with this guy. And as they go out, they throw their nets out. And they catch so many fish that they can't pull them in. They have to call over the other boat. They call over the other boat, and between the two of them, they have so many fish that both of the boats are sinking. This redneck preacher from nowhere taught a professional fisherman how it was done. And everybody who was there, these men, these grizzled men who'd worked hard their whole lives, were shocked at just how many fish had been brought in. Um, there's a number of things that are challenging to me by this, about this story. Um, and the first is that Peter probably knew what he was doing. He probably had a method that worked. You don't, you don't open a business and run a business if you don't know how to, how to do the thing. So if he's running a fishing business, odds are he knows how to catch fish. He's caught a few in his day. His dad probably knew how to catch fish. So he had a method. He had a way of doing things. And yet when he, when he interacted with Jesus, he was willing to take the risk that maybe Jesus knew a better way. Maybe Jesus knew a different way. Um, one of our values is that we hold fast to the mission while adapting our methods. The truth of the gospel never changes. The fact is that, that people need to hear that Jesus is the only way back to God, to be friends with God. But we want to trust the Holy Spirit to help us creatively reach our community. So we hold fast to the mission, and we try different things. We try not to look at Jesus and say, yeah, I kind of know what I'm doing here. Um, and, and by and large, here at Neighborhood Church, the, the changes that we've been making over the last year or so have been cosmetic. We changed the name. Um, we've got a new sign that's going to be going up before the end of the month, like we'll officially be Neighborhood Church to the community. Um, we'll probably put some new paint on the walls. Those are all cosmetic changes. Those are easy to make. But to begin to live out these values is going to take some work. And so what does that look like? What does following Jesus look like um, in 2022? Um, one of the things that we're doing a little bit differently is, is my role. So I believe full... full um, I believe wholeheartedly that the church really needs to get an understanding of how to equip pastors and equip churches to sustain a, what I call a bivocational model, where people who are pastors and leading the ministry are also doing work outside uh, in the marketplace. There's a number of reasons for it. I could, we could argue about it if you want to argue about it. But I do think that that's something that the church needs to figure out. And that's something that I've worked hard to try and, uh, try and do here. Um, however... I can't keep holding on to my broken nets and tell Jesus that I know how to fish when he's calling me out to the water. 
And so one of the things that he's asked me to do is to um, leave my landscaping employment for this year and to um, invest all of my energy into leading the church here. So this year, um, we've made space in the budget to, for me to go on full time. And my goal is to do it and try it for 12 months and then redistribute those funds to other people, um, other staff people that are going to help us move the mission forward. Um, it's uh, trying to get some momentum going. Um, there's something else, and I want to throw this at you, and I hope it's not too overwhelming, but there's a model, um, there's a model that is going to help me to communicate kind of what we're doing. So I'm going to throw this at you real, real quick. Um, and it's a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. There are a lot of ways um, to follow Jesus, and the growth that he gives us uh, happens in a number of different ways. And I don't think that there's a way to, like, outline a, uh, a step-by-step, point A to point B, like, People are way too complicated for that. But there's a way that Jesus grows us. He, he starts with himself. There's the only way to start. He says, look, you've got to trust me if you want your life to work. And so we lay Jesus first as the foundation. Um, and then he puts us into different communities. He puts us into different relationships with people that hold us accountable, that ask us good questions. And so we begin to gather together with people that are also putting Jesus first, people who have also founded their lives on him. And we begin to grow together as a group. Um, then as we're doing that, like we've, we're gathering together with friends, people who have a shared faith. We're being encouraged and strengthened and walking with Jesus. Then we gather together um, from those circles into rows to celebrate what it is that Jesus is doing. We, we make a regular habit of celebrating the work that Jesus is doing. Um, and as we continue to grow, we continue to grow in our knowledge of who God is, what he has done, and what he wants to do. We learn and grow and develop and deepen our understanding. And then the house is incomplete unless we take all of these things and we apply them. What is wisdom? God's knowledge applied. Wisdom is God's knowledge applied. If, you're, if you were late, Ryan did that earlier. It makes more sense if you saw the whole thing. So how, oops, I picked too many. Anyway, whatever. You can see it now. Um, the, last, the last component is serving, like taking all of those things and putting them to use, serving our neighbor, loving our neighbor, um, taking the things that we have learned and communicating them in a way that, that is helpful to people, um, taking the Jesus that we're celebrating and, and inviting people also to celebrate the work that he could be doing in their hearts as well, gathering together um, as a group and doing more together than we could do as individuals. This is just a model for what a disciple of Jesus might look like. So how do we put Jesus first this year? Um, well, we pray. And there's not a, a super systematic way that we do this necessarily. Um, if, you're, if you're not aware and you'd like to be a part of it, like one of the things that we do as a part of our habit is to gather together at 9.30 on Sundays to pray together for our community and pray together for the people that we've ministered to that week. And so it's an open invitation. If you'd like to come and pray with us at 9.30 on Sundays, we'd love to have you. Um, but it's also an individual habit. Do we pray together as families for our neighbors? We pray together as individuals. Um, I make a habit to go and, and walk and to pray for our neighborhoods. Um, and so we pray. We put Jesus first by praying and asking him to do the work that only he can do. I can't change anybody's heart. You can't change anybody's heart. If you've ever had a child and you've looked in their eyes and seen the rebellion burning, <laughs> you know 
we're powerless to change one another. And yet Jesus has the power to change and soften even the hardest heart. My own. <clears throat> We've also started a, a new habit of doing neighborhood meals. And these are just open meals. We want to share God's gifts with open hands. And so we invite our neighborhood, our neighbors to come and eat with us. We are doing these on the, the last Sunday night of every month. I'm just having an open meal. Uh, you can bring a side dish to share. But it's an opportunity to, um, to um, introduce people to Jesus. Our mission is to invite people to meet and follow Jesus. Meeting Jesus is actually really important. Um, before you ever are ever um, persuaded to follow somebody, the, the impression that you have of them, their character on the front end is actually super important. So whether we get the opportunity to invite somebody to follow Jesus, we want at every interaction for people to meet Jesus through us. And so hosting these meals is an opportunity just to love on people. To, I mean, we are weird, but we're not weird in the way people think we're weird, I think, if that makes any sense at all. Okay. Um, we are Jesus people. We're weird in that way, but like we're not going to bite you or, or beat you or anything. Like you can just come and enjoy a meal and have a good conversation about normal stuff. Um, but how would we put Jesus first as a congregation this year? See, I've got I've got things that I'm thinking about, but I'm not the church. No one is the church by themselves. We are the church together. And so, what is God putting on your heart? Is there something that God's putting on your heart? to help our neighbors meet Jesus? Is there something that we need to be doing together um, that's putting Jesus first? As we gather, um, one of the things that we're going to be rolling out in the next couple of weeks is kind of a prototype new gathering. Um, Jesse's been leading a Bible study group, a Bible study gathering this year, and that's been awesome. Um, But we want to make some tweaks to that. And so we've got a prototype new group, um, and I don't even know if it's worked. This, this would be one of those things that I kind of dreamed up or we dreamed up together with the church in Sebring and in Lakeland. And we've got it all on paper, and it looks good on paper, but we've got to put people in it, and that usually makes things messy. Um, so if you're interested in being a guinea pig, I mean, if you're interested in being part of an exciting new venture <coughs> of, this, of these prototype new groups, then I'd invite you to, to um, volunteer. And I'll have more information for that in the coming weeks, but like, let's just have a conversation about it. Um, as we're celebrating, as we're gathering together and celebrating Jesus on Sundays, what are we going to be doing in, in 2022? Well, it's, it's going to look a little bit different. I've asked some friends to come and help me um, and people that are not necessarily part of our congregation, but um, I know that one of the things that I need in order to be able to present the Word of God to you clearly is, is headspace and clarity. And, being, and doing both of these things at the same time continually week after week has not been good for me to be clear in my presentation of the word. And so I'm taking some steps back and inviting some friends to come and help us. Um, and so it's going to sound different. And yet, Jesus is the same. So um, that, that'll, our, our, our celebrations will look a little bit different as we grow. Um, and we're also learning from the churches in Sebring and Lakeland. They've taught us some things um, that we're going to be implementing as well. Um, as we're learning, um, we're gonna, I'm hoping that some of these changes in the celebration will, will give me better clarity and clearer um, series as I'm preaching um, to help those be more, more helpful. But outside of our Sunday mornings, because Sunday morning is about celebrating. It is about um, being excited about Jesus and excited about what he has done and being inspired to continue to follow him. There's some learning involved to that, but that's not the whole bit of it. Um, 
We're also going to be starting some new classes, some more in-depth classes. Um, maybe instead of a, a Bible study group, uh, a more um, uh, a more structured uh, taking apart and, and and going through books of the Bible. Or I want to I want to know what the Bible is even about. Like what is it? What's it actually in there? What would it look like to go through the whole Bible in like ten weeks? Um, could that be done? It could be done. Could it be fun? It could be fun. Would it be terrifying? Absolutely. But those are the kinds of things we want to try because uh, we trust the Bible. Like God left it as the primary guide for our life, and so it's helpful for us to know what's in there and what's not in there and how to follow Jesus in it. Um, and then how do we serve as a church? Um, I... I kind of did this low-key, but I went around and invited some students from a Bible college down in Sebring to come and help me. Um, And we walked a couple of the different neighborhoods here around the church building and just did a real quick five-question survey to try to identify what do our neighbors say about what they need. Um, And primarily the need that they identified was pavement. They want their roads paved, and I don't know if we can do that. But... At the very least, we're starting a conversation about what are the needs in our neighborhoods and how might God have gifted us to be able to address them. Um, How could we support parents and grandparents as they're raising their children? How could we um, foster community of neighbors that really don't get along very well? Um, How could we show the love of Jesus to the people who live immediately around the the church building? Um, One of the ways is to model or to copy, really, copy and paste what... um, uh, Dignity Roasters, um, the, the organization that runs Dignity Roasters is called Wear Gloves. And their whole purpose is to help um, people in need earn what they need. And so we're going to do a, a similar, or we have been prototyping, uh, beta testing, a similar model where if people come to us for help, then we ask them, like, what are their goals? And then rather than just giving out money, um, we're helping them to earn what they need to get what they want. It's a slower process, but one, it gives us an opportunity to build relationships. And two, it helps them to feel like they've got some ownership in what God is doing in their lives. Um, and I think it's really cool. I'm also going to be working more closely with Ken, uh, who runs that, and and really um, apprenticing from him and trying to understand how it is that things actually work over there. They're downtown off of Magnolia, um, which is not too far for us with cars. But if you're on foot in Silver Springs, to get downtown um, is going to take you all day long. Um, so it's it's we're not competing. <laughs> we're collaborating. We're learning from them and trying to expand the model of help from downtown to include Silver Springs. Have you noticed that Silver Springs, there's some people around that need some help, and they're in our neighborhoods. So uh, we're gonna be doing that. Um, I have question marks after all of those things. Jesus first, gathering, learning, serving, celebrating. I have question marks. Because I have a lot of ideas. But again, I'll say it again, I'm not the church. We are the church. Whether you're joining us online or whether you're in the room, Um, God has brought us together on this Sunday morning in particular for a special thing. And the only question I have, the only application question I have from our time here together is what's our next step? Maybe you're like me. Sometimes I get uh, an idea in my head and I I have to figure out how I'm going to get the next 10 steps done. And I get overwhelmed down trying to finish the final product before I've even taken the first step. And the way that Jesus asks Uh, people to follow him is just to take that one next step. Hey, Pete, go out in the water. Let's go fishing again in the middle of the day. I don't really want to, but I guess I could. 
I've got something I want to teach you out there that you don't know about me yet. Will you come with me? Well, sure, I guess. Let's see how it goes. Oh, my gosh. What's Peter's response when he understands who Jesus is? Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. When we see Jesus clearly, we see ourselves. And there's a part of me that wants to stay there and be condemned, to wallow in my sin and to say that I'm not worthy. And yet Jesus' next words to to Simon Peter are, Do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. Come with me. I make you clean. I'm going to work through you. We are going to work together as a team to bring peace and grace to the communities around us. This is Jesus' invitation to Pete. It's Jesus' invitation to us this morning. So as I'm going through, as I'm looking at these categories, as I'm talking, what are the things that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind? And what's our next step together as we invite our neighbors to meet and follow Jesus? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love. We thank you that you use us in spite of ourselves. Lord, we thank you that you teach us the things that we think we already know and teach us again and teach us again. Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you soften our hearts to believe? Would you strengthen our feet to follow? Would you equip our hands with skill for the work that you've entrusted to us? We thank you for this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.